Hello, and welcome back, we can say that now, to the Anime Intellectuals podcast, the podcast where Jordan Kiefer and Mark Nicholas, two of the greatest minds of our time, give you the latest news and reviews on the only the highest quality anime and manga sometimes, and whatever else we decide to do because we can do whatever we want um that hello earlier only true twin peaks fans will understand that one to other people it's just a weird hello and i've embarrassed myself but i already started an anime podcast so it's pretty hard to embarrass myself any further so it's fine but anyway um we're recording this podcast out of order. So earlier today, I actually recorded the bit with Mark because Mark could not be alone in a room for enough time to do it like we did last time. So we'll probably do just do from now on what we're doing right now because I just have more. I have my own room and my roommate. I know my roommate and he knows what I am. So this is fine. Um, But anyway, we recorded this out of order. And so the first thing that we recorded today, earlier today, was was Mark's segment and the the Perfect Blue review. But um, since this is going at the beginning, this is what you should expect for today. We're reviewing... um, First, I'll go through the news, and then I'll review Terraformars, the manga, and Mark will review 20th Century Boys, the manga, and then at the very end, uh, we both review Perfect Blue, the film. So, it's a little late, because we decided to do this out of order, and uh, I started up my job again, and college is ramping up, and it's fun. A fun time and yeah so it's late but it's fine because i've got my my cotton candy bang right here uh it's pretty good not not a huge fan not my favorite flavor for bang but uh it's all right i would recommend i don't know if this is new or not because i i, I just don't but I saw what I had never seen. They had a key lime pie flavor the other day, and it's really good. For some reason, key lime pie flavored things are just really good for no reason. Like they have no business being as good as they are, but they, it was pretty good. Um, anyway, let's get into the news. All right, so into the news. So today's news shouldn't be 
in as long as it was last time because we had so much stuff last time um because i had just been building it up for so long just collecting a bunch of news and a lot of stuff was just happening but this time uh we don't have as much it shouldn't take as long um let me take a sip of my bang real quick What's sad is I can barely taste that. <laughs> this morning, I, in between a morning thing I had and going to work, I decided, oh, I can probably get something from Starbucks and wake myself up a little. And so I got a hot coffee from Starbucks. And I did not think about the time that it would take to cool down. So, because I was just planning on getting it and then drinking it and going to work but i couldn't just walk over there i had to like ride my bike over to work so what ended up happening was i ordered my coffee i got it and then i sat down and realized oh i have to drink this right now um and so i my my tongue my taste buds are burnt it, while I could taste it, though, the the new apple, like apple crisp thing from Starbucks is pretty good. But, you know, I could only taste it for like the first few sips. My tongue was destroyed and it still is. So if my voice does not sound as good, maybe it's because of that. I don't know. But anyway, into the news. Let's see. First on our little docket here, we have. The My Hero movie release in U.S. and U.K. details. Let's look at the article for that. Um, Animation announced on Wednesday that it will screen World Heroes Mission, the third film in the My Hero Academia franchise in October in Japanese with English subtitles and with an English dub. The film was screened in over 1,500 theaters in the U.S., Canada, the U.K., and Ireland on October 29th and in Australia and New Zealand on the 28th. The film will also screen in Latin America and Spanish and Portuguese. Funimation Global Group's Wakanim will screen the film in Finland, Sweden, Norway, Denmark, and Iceland with English subtitles, as well as in each country's respective language. Funimation streamed an English subtitled trailer also, which I have not seen because I couldn't care less, probably. I might not even see this. Definitely not in theaters. Um, in my opinion, it has been... My hero has been uh, not as good at all as it was earlier i've heard that the arc that they're in currently right now is supposed to be pretty good from people who've read the manga but that i'm just not caught up right now i'll probably get around to it eventually because it's my hero but right now i'm just not feeling it i'm just not feeling like watching training and school and and like work studies for 40 episodes and then they're just gonna go and do a license exam like, but that's that and obviously my hero is very popular so there was no way that movie was not getting released over here i'm pretty sure the first one did very well over here because there was a there was another one. What was it called? Um, it was the one with the the magnet guy in it. It was all right. 
Um, oh, I can't, I just cannot remember what it was called. But anyway, there was a first one and I'm pretty sure it was, it was released over here and did well. So that'll be coming out, it says October 29th. So be excited for that if you feel like it, I guess. Um, here's second on our docket, it says ReZero needs eight seasons. Um, ReZero will have eight seasons to fully adapt to story, says the author. So not much else really to say here, but apparently the author of the light novel for ReZero says that it's going to take eight 25 episode seasons to adapt the story. Um, and that comes around to something. Oh, wait. Okay. Oh, no, I'm not stupid. Uh, that comes around to 200 episodes in total, I think. Let me recheck myself. Yeah, that's definitely 200 episodes. I'm in college. Um, it's that's a lot. I did not think that it would be that long, honestly. I thought they were going towards the conclusion and from this last season, but I guess not. There was a really long delay uh, between the first and second season, too. So it might take a long time before we actually see the end of ReZero. But that's that. Next up... Uh, Demon Slayer season two release to be announced. Um, this is a this might be old news. I'm not sure if they've already said when exactly it is going to be announced, or I mean, when exactly it is going to be released. Um. Oh, it says they're going to give more information about the release date on the 25th. So no, they haven't yet. Ufo Ufotable, uh, Japanese animation company, has confirmed anime is coming later this year. You can learn about the release date on September 25th. So yeah, more information is going to be revealed then on the 25th. Uh, so th that's that. It's pretty cool. I'm pretty excited for that one. It's going to be a lot of stuff happening around the end of this year because that's also when um, the final, final part of Attack on Titan is going to be happening, I think. And maybe Chainsaw Man? I don't remember. I don't remember. But that might also be happening around then. Um, next up, the show Teasing Master Takagi-san anime listed with third season and a film in 2022. I've never seen this, so I have no opinion. Uh, I don't even really know what kind of show this is. It looks like a... I remember this being pretty like decently popular. So if you like that, then that's getting a third season in the film. So that's that. Okay, this one is kind of interesting. Uh, so Shonen Jump is making an app called World Maker. And the functionality of this app is that it allows you to make your own manga without having to draw anything. So it puts the panels there for you and it has the like different speech bubbles and stuff and it has automatic uh just characters that you can put like just put into different positions and edit so it's interesting i don't think there will be anything crazy done with it but it's interesting 
Oh, it says there's going to be a competition also. It says there'll be a competition between beta version users and two winners will get their own one shot. Will get their one shot manga drawn by Shiro Usazaki, the manga for Act Age, and Koji Oishi, Tomatoipu no Lycopene. I don't know what that is on Shonen Jump Plus. Um, so I guess you make your your manga on here and then two actual manga artists would try and redraw it so that's interesting like whoever wins i guess this competition they'll get it drawn one detail i may be wrong about this so don't take my word for this but i'm pretty sure there was a huge controversy around act age like, wasn't the author a pedophile or something? I'm going to look this up right now so I don't look stupid. Yeah. It says he, he was arrested last year. For allegedly committing indecent acts with an underage woman. I thought they like canceled his entire manga and everything. Oh, wait. Oh, I think they may have changed authors. I think that's what happened, actually. So the new, I didn't realize they were continuing that, but I think that's what's happening. Interesting. And I have no idea who Koji Oishi is or his manga. So. That's interesting. I don't think anything crazy will be made out of it, except for the the one shots might look cool. Like that's it's just interesting. Something creative to do for people who don't know how to draw, like me. Um next up, I I don't know how to comprehend this piece of news. It says Jujutsu Kaisen is coming to PUBG Mobile. That's the title of this article. I don't know what that could possibly mean like what does that mean <laughs> i <laughs> i guess it just means that the, there's like skins the, the graphic here has like a giant orange lit up circle around the map i don't know i don't know what this means also interestingly enough in this article it says the collaboration will not be available in japan or china so it's not going to be available in the country that made it the show. That's interesting. I that's that's there it is. I don't know what that means, but it's news. Some more Jujutsu Kaisen news actually. The Jujutsu Kaisen manga ending by 2023, says author Gege Akutami in the interview. So apparently. The ending is coming faster than many fans may have expected. In an interview with Mando Kobayashi on February 27, 2021, manga creator Gege Akutami stated that he intends on finishing the manga in less than two years, which means the final chapter should be released in 2023. Akutami has been discussing his plans for the manga series for a long time. In a 2020 interview, Akutami said he had already planned out the Jujutsu Kaisen manga's ending. So he already knows what the ending is, which I guess that's a good thing. Um... And so it'll end in 2023, apparently. So I guess 
that's nice and short because usually when they go on for too long, they just peter out and then they can't end it. And then it's just disappointing. But this this one may be immune to that if it just ends like a normal comic. That'd be nice. Because what's happened so far, what I've seen is pretty good. Um, so I hope it ends well. That'd be a very rare occurrence for a Shonen Jump property. Next piece of news, Two Year Eternity Anime gets second series in fall 2022. So this is cool. Um, I've, I'm not quite caught up to the season that's airing this season. I think I'm like one or two episodes behind. I thought I had thought that it was supposed to go for 24 episodes, but apparently it was only going for 20 episodes. So I may only have one or two episodes left to watch. So that's kind of disappointing because I wanted to see how it's like, I wanted to see it continue for a little bit, but I guess the second season is coming out pretty soon if it's next year. So that's cool. Um, it's very good. If you have not seen it, definitely give it a watch. We'll probably, if we do a like a season retrospective, we'll definitely bring up this one because this one's a highlight, maybe of the year. Honestly, definitely keep an eye out for that one. Um, one Piece news, interesting. One Piece creator says the series is nearing its end. Uh, I feel like I've seen. A million articles say this over the span of like 10 years so i don't know if i can believe that (laughs) but uh i know this is a piece of news is that on the thousandth uh episode of the show which is supposed to come out i think sometime in november um they're doing some kind of announcement so that's something i I refuse to believe that it, that one piece is ending soon until Oda actually says that he's ending it. So that's take that as what whatever. Um, but I think oh, oh, oh one more thing. Um, the Death Note artist Takeshi Obata is starting a new series. Um, not much information on this right now. This is just like really really recent news. Um. I think all we know right now is that it's about like a comedy duo or something like, or like it's about comedy. I don't know, but um, obviously the death note artist is a very good artist. I don't know much about the story telling prowess of that off of that artist, but um because I didn't hear great things about Platinum End, which I think was done by um, that artist and not the writer for Death Note, but I don't know. Actually, it may have been both of them. Who knows? I don't know what I'm talking about. Anyway, that could be, that's something to maybe look out for because like either way, her art is pretty cool. Um, So that might be good. So that's the end of the news segment. I don't think we had as much as we did last time, um, but we still did have a few because some it's stuff is still happening, I guess. So now I will go into my review of the manga. Manga! 
terraformars. So the premise to this one is very interesting. It's one of those rare premises that is so weird and kind of stupid, but still works somehow. Um, let me just try and explain the basic premise of Terraformers. So basically the premise is that... Um, Population overgrowth is happening on Earth in the future, and so mankind needs to uh, be able to live on Mars soon and put people on Mars so that they're not way overpopulating the Earth. And so that's a problem. So uh, like a hundred years from where the manga starts, um, the organization in this one they're called i think they're just called like you nasa or something basically they're just nasa but like as a worldwide organization and so they put it put forth a plan to um terraform mars and the way they're they plan on doing this is they're going to just put moss all over mars because uh, there's some some pseudoscience behind that in here maybe maybe actual science um they put it because they said something about moss um okay well okay right, right right what they're trying to do is warm up the planet because that's the most important thing because the water is stuck in crystallized form there and they need it uh to be like warmer to be able to live on anyway um and so what they chose to do was put a bunch of moss on mars and the darkness of the moss absorbs the sunlight and over time over i i guess a hundred years um <clears throat> it'll slowly slowly warm up the the planet of Mars so enough that it's livable. So what they also did was um, releasing cockroaches on there because without carcasses, the moss won't grow as quickly. So the like cockroaches are just can live on moss and only moss so they were just the best option of an a living thing to put on mars so that the moss could grow over the like course of a hundred years so that was their plan and that's what they did and so then it jumps to a hundred years later and they send a group of astronauts to mars for the first time in a hundred years i think 
um, so that they can look at it and make sure that it's suitable for population now, now that it's been a hundred years and they've let the moss grow over it and it warm a bit. So they send this group of astronauts there and their mission is not only to make sure that it's able to be populated, but they also are sent there to exterminate all the cockroaches that are still there. So they've brought like all their exterminating gear, like, like on earth that we like just a bunch of, I guess, just large scale bug spray and just stuff like that. So their mission is to eradicate all the cockroaches so that they can have humans come live there and get rid of all the like overpopulation of cockroaches on it. So that's their mission. That's their basic mission. So they get there and they land their spaceship and they open the door and they see a giant black thing that just like hits one of them and knocks them in half and slices them in two like immediately. And they come to find out it's a ginormous cockroach in humanoid form. So apparently what happened over these hundred years is that the cockroaches didn't just keep eating moss and then just dying and helping the moss grow. What happened was they started to evolve over time and something about them being on Mars like sped up their rate of evolution or something. And so now they've become giant humanoid black monsters. And so they're the mission to exterminate the cockroaches is no longer as easy as it was thought to be initially because they're still the same number, but they're all giant humanoid, like Chad cockroaches. And the, the panels, the like full spread panels of when you first see the cockroaches is very good because they're just, their faces are so good. <laughs> I'm looking at one right now. It's so good. Um, so then pretty much that's the basic premise. It goes a lot farther than that. Um, so after like the people on earth, back on earth figure out, oh, there's giant cockroaches on Mars now. What are we supposed to do now? So they're, um, what they decide to do is they they say okay well if we're fighting insects then we'll have to give our astronauts that are going up there to eradicate the insects the giant cockroaches insect powers so now they start sending groups of astronauts up there with super specialized insect abilities like uh, for example, somebody with a with a like a grasshopper DNA inside of them, like injected into them through an experimental process or whatever, and they'll be able to like hit, like throw their arms at a incredible speed or something. Or uh, somebody will have like a wolf spider, and they can like move like relatively relative to humans so fast that like nothing can hit them and stuff like that. They're like super strong 
creatures and stuff like that. So that's a it's pretty interesting because they explain every time they usually explain the like different types of um, creatures that they're that the these people have injected into them and what exactly they can do in real life. So it's kind of like a science lesson at the same time. So they kind of trick you into a into a biology lesson because they tell you about all these animals and what all they can do. Some of it's pretty cool. There's like a a shrimp they talk about that can like it like punches so hard that it can break people's fingers and uh, just stuff like that. Just a lot of cool little tidbits. Um, something I didn't mention. This manga, if you've ever read Gantz, it's very similar to that in where anybody can die. There are no, There is no plot armor in this manga. Anybody can die at any time in any way. Um, what's funny is a lot of the... <laughs> A lot of times you can kind of tell who's going to die by how lame their insect is. So if their insect only gets like a a one sentence description or something, you're always like, well, I guess they're going to die horribly. Um, now that's interesting. But the story just keeps on ramping up because after they send uh, these first wave of astronauts up there to try and do trying to exterminate them with their insect powers um they realize that the cockroaches have started evolving even farther and they're starting to understand how to evolve into these certain insect forms and they're copying them and so what they're doing is just making them even stronger so they have to get around that somehow they so the cycle is the humans make some crazy technology or crazy inject some crazy animal into somebody to go fight the cockroaches the cockroaches learn how to fight that animal and they become that animal and it just keeps ramping up and uh, i don't know how i think i've read maybe about the equivalent of three volumes so far but it's very interesting read and it is not it's not boring in the slightest there's also a bit of like political drama behind it also because uh there are some people who want to sabotage the mission by bringing home bringing back uh one of the giant cockroaches which they start calling terraformers um they want to bring back one of the terraformers so they can experiment on them and, and make like an ultimate weapon that they can use on earth because they're so strong and they want to figure out what makes them so strong. And so there's that happening. And then different countries have different agendas and, and providing different things. And there's also some character drama, like there's some flashbacks and there's some, there's a lot of the characters will have stories behind them of how they got into their, that situation um, because when they start sending, uh, people to go exterminate these cockroaches, they don't send like their best astronauts. They start sending people who are severely in debt or are on death row because they have no choice but to go. 
And so, because the experiment that uh, puts gives people like the insect powers or whatever, it actually kills like 75% of the people they do it on. And so they just keep doing it on people who are severely in debt and want to get out of debt. So they just take this deal or people who are on death row and they don't have any choice. So that's what the teams are made up of. But it's it's very interesting to see the like dynamics between the characters start to grow. And then the just the stories behind some of them are really sad about how they got where they were and you you you're rooting for them you don't want to see them die so you you root for certain people and sometimes it just doesn't work out honestly most of the time it just doesn't work out because barely anybody survives if anyone at the end of each mission but uh that's that's terraformers definitely recommend for anybody who likes sci-fi or uh space stuff very very interesting manga for this one all right so today i'll be giving my first impressions on the 20th century boys manga by naoki urasawa who is the author of both monster and pluto から遠野に夕日が知ってる。どれだけ歩いたら家にたどり着けるかな。僕の気に入りの肉屋の頃っけはいつも通りの味で回っててくれるかな。the story takes place in 1990s Japan and centers around a group of childhood friends who grew up in the 60s and 70s, of which our protagonist Kenji was a part of. During the time, uh, these kids had a secret base where they hang out, hung out, read magazines, and among other things. And they dreamed of becoming heroes who would save the world from a league of evil. However, Kenji and his friends Yoshitsune, Maruo, Nyukiji, and Donkey, they end up living average boring lives. Where uh, Kenji, um, he runs a convenience store with his mom and has to take care of his baby niece, Kana. And so that's when uh, Kenji's childhood friend Donkey, which is his nickname, uh, dies from falling off of a school building. So everybody everybody thinks it's a suicide, right? But Kenji noted that Donkey wasn't that kind of person to commit suicide, and so he has his doubts. And just before he receives a letter that from Donkey that has asked Kenji if he remembers the symbol and it's like an eye and it has a hand with a finger pointing up in it and throughout the story it's 
shows that this is the symbol that's used by a group of cultists in the area who call themselves the Friends. And their leader is called their friend or just friend. So this symbol also showed up when uh, a professor and his family suddenly disappeared out of nowhere. And Kenji realizes that this is the same symbol that him and his childhood friends came up with when they were kids. It was their symbol of friendship. And so that leads Kenji to believe that the symbol that's connected with the cultists and um, Donkey and the professor disappearing is all connected and that the friend, the leader of the cult group that's probably responsible for the deaths and disappearances is one of Kenji's childhood friends, but he doesn't know which one. That's kind of how the mystery plays out. And so there's a bunch of series of events and catastrophes that out that come out and there's an outbreak of a mysterious disease that causes a people to bleed out and die and so the events that carry out were um what the group of friends depicted when they were kids they they called it their book of prophecy when they were writing about how the League of Evil would try to take over the world. So that leads Kenji to believe that the group of cultists um, and their leader friend are trying to take over the world. And so the only way that Kenji and his other friends can stop a friend and the cultist from taking over the world is to remember what was in the book of prophecy from their childhood, to try and figure out what they're going to do. And so it's a really cool mystery. Um, Naoki Urasawa's writing and artwork give off an old but cool vibe to it. And there's a lot of references to Japanese pop culture from the late 20th century. Now, I particularly like Urasawa's art style a lot, and we'll definitely check out his other works. In the meantime, 20th Century Boys has a highly intriguing mystery wrapped around a unique and interesting group of characters, and I highly recommend you give it a read. All right, well, hey, Jordan. Hello, Mark. Hello. Can you hear me, Mark? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yep. So that's 20th Century Boys. Yeah, um, I need to get around to reading that. That was definitely on my list. And Monster, for sure, is one of those big ones that most people know him for, is Monster. Yeah, Pluto is also a popular one. Yeah, I read uh, a newer thing by him, part of an, of something he was doing. I think it might still be ongoing, actually called Billy Bat, which kind of had a similar premise. It was really weird. It was like um, this manga artist was drawing comics, and then uh, one, he, one day he comes up with this character named Billy Bat, 
and he starts writing these stories about him. And then he figures out one day um, that there's somebody on the other side of the world that has the exact same character as him. And they made them at the exact same time somehow with the exact same stories. And so there's a huge mystery behind like, what is this and how is it so, and it, and it gets way crazier, but like, that's just the beginning of it. So that's kind of similar to the, um, like the, I guess you said the friends organization and like the symbol and stuff. It's kind of like that. Yeah. Cause like, when they were kids, um, they imagined that the league of evil would cause a virus outbreak in London. And then in the story, on the news it shows there is a virus outbreak in london like oh crap it's real mm, that sounds very interesting yeah he now kurosawa definitely specializes in mystery type stuff because monster is also a mystery as far as i know a very good one yeah but yeah definitely got to get around to that eventually so are to the one that we're doing together for this week is Perfect Blue by Satoshi Kon. Um, I, I, this may be the only Satoshi Kon film that I've seen. I think you've seen more than I have. What Um, all have you seen, Mark? I think, okay. So I watched Perfect Blue and Millennium Actress. You haven't seen Tokyo Godfathers? No, I haven't. Oh, okay. So you've only watched one more than I have then, I guess. Yeah. But, um, I've. I'll definitely get around to watching the other ones um, soon because the Perfect Blue is really good, as as you'll find out. Um, so, is, so is Millennium Mattress. Yeah. So Satoshi Kon is pretty interesting because he he was uh, he was I'm pretty sure he was a live action director or meant to make Perfect Blue into a like a live action thing. But at some point in the in his process, he realized that there were just a lot of aspects of the story that he couldn't portray properly in live action like that he wanted to. And so he decided he would do animation instead. So this could have been a, a completely different film if he had decided to make it live action and not in animation. But I think it's it's pretty obvious that the animation definitely helps this one just like the basic twist of the stories and everything in it and just the direction of it. I don't think it would be possible really. Oh no. I mean, they could have used CGI, but it wouldn't have looked as good. Yeah, I would. But uh, let me go through like a, I can't really give a summary of this movie cause that's impossible. But uh, well, ha- let's see. Let's start at like the beginning of the movie. So in the beginning of the movie, um, Mima is the main character, 
and she is um, an idol in an idol group called Cham, which is a group of three girls who are idols, and they it's just like a an idol group. This is set in like the nineties. I think it's set in the nineties because they have like, like they have like old Apple computers and stuff like that. Maybe so it's like eighties, nineties ish. I think nineties. Um, and so Mima is in this idol group, and the beginning of the movie is setting up her about to announce that she's leaving the group so that she can start her career in acting. And so if you know anything about idol culture in Japan, um, it's not as accepting at all, especially back then um, as over here in the West with like people from bands deciding to act. Like that happens all the time. Nobody has a problem with it. But in Japan, it's very, very weird when people do that because... um, they see them as like these perfect uh, individuals who have like, who have to be innocent all the time. And so when she decides she's going to go into shows like TV shows that are just going to air on the air, then it's going to ruin her image. And that's what like her fans think, like the crazy fans. That's the name Perfect Blue. Is that why? I don't know. Oh, I guess <laughs> I think it has more. I think it's deeper than that. I don't Maybe. I think I feel like I heard somebody explain what it meant exact what it could mean exactly. Perfect blue. It's like honestly a lot of the film is blue. Like it has a very blue tint to it like the whole time. That is true. Blue is a very prominent color. I'm not sure exactly what blue represents, but I'm sure if you look up um like what all blue the color blue represents it's probably a lot of the themes of the film kind of like how if you look up the colors of flowers in certain scenes and revolutionary girl Lieutenant, you'll find a lot of interesting stuff i found um but anyway it starts with her doing her final concert and so while she's preparing for it and uh and then while she's singing it's also interspersed with like flashes uh, and like parts of her daily life so it'll show her like on the train um home or her going shopping or something just to show that even though people see her one way in her idol life she also has an actual life and she's a normal person she's not that image that she shows to everybody else and that's important to like for the themes later on and so she's going to announce her career change and then so there's a creepy dude in the crowd there's this one shot uh while they're dancing and it's like showing their last song he has he's like at the front and he has his hand in a certain position where he's like framing mima at the as like the front idol and it's very creepy and it's like it's supposed to be like him like representative of how people um put idols in a certain light to where they can't do anything wrong and they're innocent and if they do anything that they're not supposed to then they're tainted and and stuff like that just creepy stuff like that and so this guy um 
there's people there's like thugs in the back who start throwing trash on the stage because they know that she's going to announce her leaving and or they're just being thugs i don't remember exactly and so he gets like beaten up by them trying to stop them from doing it and then after she uh, finally announces that she's actually leaving um she goes and she actually leaves the concert and while she's going back to her car somebody one of her fans like yells out i'm always looking at mima's room and she kind of like says oh huh, cool and then later um she like thinks about it later but she doesn't think about it like right then and then um when she gets home she gets a call with and it's just someone panting is very creepy and then um she's just doing stuff she gets a call from her mom and and she tells her how she's transitioning from being an idol to going to tv and her mom's kind of like a little upset that she didn't continue her dream that she like dreamed of doing ever since she was a kid um and then stuff like that and then um once she's done with that she's just sitting on her bed or something and her fax starts printing something and it's printing a piece of paper that just says traitor all over it and so just it's just showing all that's just showing the obsessiveness of like her fans and everything and then uh, there's also the online forms where everyone's ch- trash talking her remember that um where everyone's trashing her yeah on her computer there was an online form where she had like a fan group yeah i don't think people were tra- um, it was really weird so the way before that though um before actually before she goes to that online forum uh, she goes to the set of her new drama show and she has like one line um and uh, she's on the set and her she gets a fan letter and some somebody sees that it's to her and they give it to her manager and so her manager like opens it up to check it to make sure it's like not anything bad and uh, it's a bomb, like a, a small bomb, and it like messes up his hand pretty bad. And so then she starts kind of realizing the repercussions of leaving the idol industry and how crazy fans might like, like she starts to get kind of wary of stuff like that, where before she was just kind of ignoring them and just thinking it's probably fine they'll get over it and so she finally goes home and she looks up uh first she um one of her managers helps her set up her computer and then she looks up the url for the mima's room where that that guy earlier that i mentioned said when she was leaving the concert where she denounced her um leaving the idol group so she looks she finally looks up the the Mima's room URL and what she finds on there is a list of like every detail of her life from morning to night of exactly what she does every day called Mima's diary and clearly she's not the one who's writing it so somebody has been 
stalking her literally all the time and watching how she does things like like one thing that it said was today i got out of the train car with my left foot like i always do and she was like oh this person knows me pretty well she was like just starting to read it and then and then it was like and then i go to the supermarket and i get this specific brand of milk and like listed every specific thing that she got and she was then she started freaking out and so after that whole thing and she starts getting really really paranoid as opposed to where she was kind of fine with it earlier and just kind of ignoring people now she starts to really realize the fanatic like obsession that these some people have with these idols and so she she's so paranoid that at this point it's hard to tell what's happening in reality and what is happening in um, real life. I'd say in this film, there's like three different realities that are really hard to keep track of. The first one is just straight up reality. Um, The second one is her being paranoid about stuff or like the way people see her. That's like a whole other thing that's like not actually happening, but it really, it feels like reality. And then also the show starts to come into it. The drama, the TV drama that she's on, it starts to like blend into her reality. And so it's really weird how these all, all these realities start meshing together and it's edited and directed in a way where you're supposed to be confused on what exactly is happening and what, is actually real but i it's really hard to explain this movie even if i could spoil it because that's just the kind of movie it is would you agree mark yeah that's true but i think we can talk about the ghost some as well the ghost yeah so uh, it was near the end but there's like a ghost of her like idol like how she looks as an idol that follows her around well i was gonna i wasn't gonna actually go into the like details of the ending i was just gonna kind of give a like a kind of a teaser of the beginning because i okay i think the best way to see this movie is knowing absolutely nothing about it except for the premise because that's the way i saw it and i i enjoyed it a lot so i i don't think we should go way too deep in spoilers in this even though it is pretty hard to, there are still some stuff. But one thing is that her idol self keeps like coming back to get her when she's trying to move on to acting. Like everybody else keeps trying to pull her back. Yeah, that's like that's one of the main big themes of the film is her trying to get away from one thing and move to the next and then society is just not letting her in any way possible they're just preventing her from changing her life in any way possible and that's kind of that could be representative of uh, how in real life people um, try to change from what they've been so that they try to be different people or they try to be a better person but all people see is what they were what they were or what they think they should be in their eyes so it's kind of 
showcasing the difference between your reality and what people think of you and how those two can be extremely different. And it does it in a very interesting way. Yeah. Also, um, when you like stop, I hear once you stop being an idol in Japan, like no one cares about you anymore. Like they only care about the idol part. Yeah, they make a、It's、note a- in the like the one of the producers of the TV show. Um, Mima's the idol's manager, the main character's manager.、Um, he like a, is talking to the producer and is jokingly like, because I mentioned earlier, she only has like one line in the show at the beginning. And so he mentions like jokingly to one of the producers of the show, like, hey, give my, you should give my idol some more lines, you know? And、um, he says something along the lines of, Well, you know, I, I, I would, but she is a retired idol, and you know how that goes. So there's a, it's very difficult, or at least I don't know. I'm, I think it may have changed a bit since then, but especially back then in what I'm assuming is the 90s ish,、um, when idol culture was like humongous and like really bad, is you could not do a career change. From idol to anything else without losing like all of your fan base. Yeah, but like the problem eventually becomes is that if you're an idol, you'll lose your looks eventually and then you can't be an idol anymore. Yeah, that too. There's also a limit to how long you can be an idol, anyways. And then after that's done, you're, you're pretty much done. I think we've gotten a lot better.、Uh, and I think in, over in Japan, they've also gotten a lot better about like, accepting people in the entertainment industry, changing careers, and not. But there's also still the crazy people who you know, look at them as perfect, innocent like, people who can't do anything wrong. and... All they do is sing for them. And so it's very scary. I, do you know what parasocial relationships are, Mark?、Uh, I think so. Isn't it like、um, when、uh, people only like, befriend you for the benefits?、Mm, no. So basically, parasocial relationships are where you have, you like, say you're watching. Somebody on like a channel on YouTube, and you're watching somebody's videos, and you you watch them for so long that for some somehow in your mind, you start to think this person is actually friends with me. And so you like because you know so much about them and they know nothing about you, it's kind of a parasocial relationship. And so the way that would translate into Idols is that the, your fans, all they know about you is your idol image. And so they're, they have a, a parasocial relationship of sorts with your idol image. And,、um, and so that's why in Perfect Blue, there's scenes that are, you, you can't quite tell what's reality and what people think should be reality and what 
she thinks of herself because they're all different and it's a lot more complicated. And it also is, it's very scary. I it's, would you consider this a horror at parts, Mark? Yeah, I, I would. It's more like a psychological horror though. Yeah. More like a psychological thriller, I guess would be the correct Mm -hmm. term. Yeah. But it's a lot like VTubers if you think about it, because you you only see their vtuber form and you have no idea what their lives are like on the outside or the inside yeah it's very similar to that and people like think that they're friends with the vtubers if they like their comment on the live stream or something yep or if they give them like a hundred dollars and they go thank you yeah <laughs> It's also very scary. It's a, it's a lot more like, I was going to say Perfect Blue highlights the, that's one of the themes of it is the dangers of being in the entertainment industry and being a, just being like that, like being somebody who presents themselves in a certain way to the general public all the time in just one way and is a completely different person normally obviously because they're it's entertainment and they're not they're they're entertaining and so it definitely puts a spotlight on the danger of that and how scary that can be with the uh character of i don't think he's named but the character guy who's who just looks really creepy and he's the like fanatic fan you remember the guy, Mark? Yes. Yeah. Whose eyes are like on the complete opposite ends of his face somehow. Yeah. He, he's <laughs> like meant to look creepy and make you feel unsettled. Yeah. Oh, I, we didn't really talk about the like design of this film, but um, it's, I would say it's more on the realistic side, but there's definitely. Um, parts in it where there's specific choices that uh, Satoshi Kon makes to make certain characters seem like otherworldly or like just inherently evil and that's uh, that's definitely on purpose but for the most part it does look more realistic than most like it's not a generic anime type design or style at all yeah, because in most anime, the characters look um, beautiful, if you will, or they don't look like they have any flaws on them. But Satoshi Kon's characters, like a lot of them look really ugly. And so it's kind of adds more realism to it. Yeah, even in like the beginning concert scene that I was talking about, the like all the colors are so like most of the colors in that scene are really dark and like you can see the stands or that they're like that the people are sitting in are like really dirty and there's like trash everywhere and then on stage the one thing that's like really bright and it's like the bright pink dresses of the idols and they have like these bright red bows and so it's really like a juxtapositioning thing which also, I guess, represents the themes of like what reality is and what 
people try to escape into and think is reality. So it's, there's a lot of things in this film you can break down. I'm sure there's like three hour long videos out there about dissecting each part of this movie. Um, Unfortunately, even though we are the anime intellectuals, we are not of that pedigree and we can't exactly point out every single directing choice be like in this frame this vase sitting in this certain reflective way represents the personality disposition it's like no no, no. we can't do that but we can tell you to watch this film because it is very good Yes, and afterwards, um, Super Eye Patch Wolf's video on Perfect Blue is also good. Oh yeah, I think I watched that one. Yeah, it's pretty. If you want a more detailed description of how exactly Perfect Blue does what it does, definitely watch that. Because we are not capable of explaining everything about this film. That's good, but you, it, the I think, um, an important part about reviewing is you deciding what you think about the the piece of entertainment yourself so definitely go and watch this and devise your own opinion you don't have to stop every two seconds and pause and look in every frame just watch it and then if you like it let it sit for a little bit and then watch it again because you will notice it's one of those films where you notice a lot of things on rewatch. Yeah, the first watch is just to kind of take everything in and then you start getting critical on the rewatches. Yeah, you, you almost the movie almost isn't a complete experience only watching it once, which I know sounds really like that sounds really like film school like weirdo just high horse awful, but it really is kind of that kind of movie. You don't have to if you don't want to, but I think it really adds. I I don't think like every time you watch this movie, you'll get something new from it. That's just how it is. It's great. The no. animation is great too. Yes. Oh. It is it is a film, so it's very it's not limited in that regard either. And like I said, the directing is great and the just the colors and the designs and everything it's very good definitely like the older anime feel it has well i think it is an older anime i think i'm pretty sure it came out in the early 90s i could be wrong let me look this up actually (laughs) because the setting is i i could i could have sworn it was 90s Perfect Blue was released. Oh, really? It was released in 1999. That sounds about right. It looks. I'm not gonna. I'm not saying it looks bad, but it definitely does have that older feel to it. So that's. I'm pretty sure that's just on purpose. Yeah, it's a nice aesthetic, though. It is. Yeah, and it's very. It's kind of grainy like the way it looks like it's hard to describe but if you just look up like actually i wouldn't recommend looking this up because i wouldn't want you anybody to get spoiled but 
when you're watching, you'll realize what I'm saying. It's kind of like watching an older film. It's it's because it's kind of dark and the gradient of like the film or something is just kind of grainy a little. So it's it has that kind of feel to it. But definitely one of the best anime movies. And you can show this to pretty much anyone, honestly. Like if even if this is your first experience with anime, this may be a good one depending on your tastes. If you like um like David Lynch stuff like Twin Peaks and Eraserhead or more like uh psycho stuff, like psychological things and weird stuff. You'll definitely like this one. Um, but it's not just psychological and weird just for the sake of it. It has a purpose to pretty much everything, like literally everything that happens. So oh, Satoshi Kone is a genius. Yep. So I think in conclusion, pretty much a recommendation for anyone who likes good media, I guess. Yeah, pretty and much. if you like, like, and if you like psychological thrillers, even better. If you like to watch movies where you, you can watch them over and over and find something new every time and dissect each like directing stuff from them, then go ahead and watch this too because it's a directing masterpiece. That you like, I I can't really tell that because I'm not a director and I've never directed anything before. But I, this is pretty widely considered to be one of the best directed things in anime that anime has produced in general. So, yeah, and uh, Akira, of course. And Akira, yeah, that's a great movie. Very different movies. Uh, we'll, we'll have to get to that one eventually. Maybe we'll see. So. This is, we're recording these in different times, but later I'm going to be recording the news segment and the manga segment. So that's kind of the order of what this is. Um, but this is a manga episode. Manga! Except for this, because Mark and I both reviewed manga. Because I also reviewed a manga in this episode. So I guess let us know if you liked the, the manga bits. I think we'll continue to do them. I don't know if we'll do it like every other week like that. But I think manga is definitely, for some reason, I don't know if you feel the same way, Mark. But it's a lot easier for me to consume well, I think so too, because you can really stare at a page and take it take it all in, rather when an anime it's just constantly moving. Yeah, and also just like I can look I can have it on my phone anywhere and I could be like waiting in line for something and just go, oh well, let me read some more about these cockroaches on Mars and then <laughs> And just read a few pages and be like, all right. So then like, it's just, you can just pull it out 
and just read it anytime. And I read in the lunch line the other day. So that works. But you had physical books for years, right, Mark? Uh, yes, I did have physical books for 20th century boys. You madman. <laughs> I did. Why would I you... went to the library and checked out all of it. So you were standing in line for lunch reading your physical manga? N- not 20th century boys. I was reading a different manga. Oh, okay. Online. Okay, okay. I was like, no. I don't know about that one more. Uh, but yeah, um, if you're if this is your first episode listening to us because you saw uh, the flyers that are around Sam Houston campus, then those are courtesy of me putting them up the other day. Did I tell you that, Mark? Yes, you did. And Mark goes to UTA and he will also be doing that soon. Isn't that right, Mark? Of course. Very cool. Yes. Very cool. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so I rejected my humanity and and just put up flyers one day. And Mark will do the same because we have Indeed. no shame. We've gone yep. past that stage in our lives. Well, for the most part. For the most part, there is a line that Mark and I will not cross. Yeah, like... Um carrying anime body pillows out in public not, not quite there yet i think mark and i have both agreed that that's like the dividing line between when you've just gone insane and there's no turning back and when you're still sort of a normal human being that can function in society is yeah, if you at, own a body pillow at that point you've just given up on forming normal human relationships yeah and i don't wish to do that anytime soon so unless you just find another weeb but i mean i you shouldn't really be ashamed of something that you like you can like whatever you want to like and you can be expressive about it if you want but there is a line and that line for anime is body pillows so just a tip to anybody who is maybe a, a fledgling anime fan and and wants to really get into it do not buy body pillows i mean you can it's i just wouldn't you know carry it around in public it's just a little weird that definitely don't carry them around in public but yeah well that was some life lessons from two (laughs) socially inept human beings you're welcome for that Amazing. <laughs> well, um, I think that's the end of this episode, pretty much. Um, the email address, I actually screwed it up last time because I said that it would be ask the animeintellectuals at gmail.com. But when I put it, the domain in on Gmail, it wasn't actually that. I didn't put that in. I put the correction in the description, but in case you missed that, um, it's actually just the anime intellectuals at gmail.com. And if you don't know how to spell intellectuals, then you should not be listening to this podcast because clearly you're not an intellectual like Mark and I. Obviously. Um, but you, we have currently gotten surprise zero emails. 
And so if you are listening right now and you know our email address, you have no excuse not to send an email to theanimeintellectuals at gmail.com. Send us anything from questions to suggestions uh, or anything in between. I don't care what you send us. And I, I won't read everything out because who knows what will get sent now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I mean, just just send us whatever, anything, literally anything that we can use for the podcast because at some point if we get enough viewers and we get enough uh like a stream of listeners we can have a section dedicated to answering listener questions or and stuff like that or we can do recommendations yeah and also give us a follow on our instagram at the anime intellectuals and you'll we'll have updates posted up there. We'll tell you when a new episode's coming out. I'll put a post up when the, when we do that. So stay tuned to that. Give us that a follow. But yeah, we'll see you next time. Bye bye.